Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane here, host of the Mental Performance Mastery Group Coaching Program. And I want to welcome everyone to tonight's call brought to you by Fundraising University. Fundraising University was recognized as one of the top 500 franchises in Entrepreneur's Franchise 500. It's the world's first, best, and most comprehensive franchise ranking. The 44th annual Entrepreneur Franchise 500, it's highly sought after honor in the franchise industry, and it recognizes people as the best resources if you're interested in owning a franchise. And with Fundraising University, I personally have experience having ran their Fund You Now with a high school, Eastmont High School in Washington, and in one hour, we raised $30,000 in a fundraiser. So if you're a coach looking to do a fundraiser for your program so that you can provide a better opportunity for your student-athletes, or you're someone who has a a business mind and is looking to potentially own a franchise, check out Fundraising University. Can't recommend them and their CEO, Mike Bahoon, enough. It is truly a transformational organization, not a transactional organization. And that's why we're here today. So if you were interested in learning more about Fundraising University, contact Zach Sorensen, who's also the mental performance coach for the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball. I dropped his email here inside of the chat, Z Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. At fundraisingu.net to learn more. Now, tonight, we've got a repeat guest. Hey, we've had national championship coaches on here. We've had uh, six-time All-Star, Lance Berkman, three-time All-Star, Matt Carpenter. We've had some big names on here. And coming back for the second time is the head strength and conditioning coach at Arkansas State, Jeff Jones. He's a mental performance coach. He's a strength and conditioning coach. And he implements a eight-play off-season mental performance program. So if you're a coach and you're looking to implement the program uh, in the off-season or in your preseason with your team on leadership and mental performance development, Coach Jones is going to give you his eight-play program. And I couldn't be more fired up to welcome him back. Jonesy, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, what a great intro. Uh, appreciate that, Kaner. I'm fired up. Glad to be back. And I'm just fortunate to be on here and to have create a relationship with you and to learn from you. You've been so impactful in my career and, and everything. So I'm very appreciative. Man. Well, thanks for being here, Jonesy. And I think, you know, maybe before we get into it, if you want to just kind of give like the, the, the two minute background for our coaches who maybe didn't get a chance to check out the first time you were here and just talk about sort of your path uh, into being the head strength coach, but also your desire and like seeing the need and the want to for implementing a mental performance program as a strength coach. Yeah. So I've always been obsessed with performance training and, and all about the scheme, the X's and O's, especially I've been coaching for 17 years and it seemed like maybe the first 10 years of my career, it was all about the X's and O's. How can I put together the best plan? But I've always been intrigued by the mental game. And especially when I saw you down in Orlando, I can't remember what was that 08 or 09 that we decided that was? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was 09, yeah. So that's when I really started to learn more about it. And, you know, so I hear you talk, I read your stuff, and I, you know, I, 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 I understand it a little bit. 
and I've always paid attention to you. But then when I did your certification, when I've done your 30 day athletes course, it just became so much more clear to me. I became so much more understanding of it and I've been a better teacher of it. I've always appreciated the mental game and understand the importance of it. But now I just feel so much more confident through the years. And it took, you know, I've been doing it for 17 years. It took really the last two to three years for me to fully, and I still don't understand, I'm still learning, but I just feel so much better about a system that we have and implementing it and teaching it to our athletes. And the most important thing is teaching it makes it are you there Kate? yeah hang on a second jonesy i forgot to hit the mute all button here i'm going to ask you to unmute yourself hang on a second. let's see where that's coming from here hold on a second here uh allow participants to unmute themselves no mute all good where is that coming from let's see all right Bear with me here. I was getting all uh Jones, Jeff's iPhone. Um everybody can just make sure you are muted. I have muted everybody. Jonesy, you should be able to unmute. There we go. You're back. Okay. All right, fantastic. We're back here. Let's go. So you were talking about you, and the thing that you were talking about is actually great. That it was a great segue. Is the difference between a speech and a system. And I think in my time in college football you know, which has been a part of some really good programs, you know, and they'll do in camp 21 day camp and they're bringing a different speaker every three days. And often what happens is by the time the second, third, fourth speaker comes in, you can't remember what the first guy said. And I think so many times as coaches, we think it's like a motivational speech that's going to make this huge difference, right? And our guys are going to run out of the locker room or they're going to go play great because of this talk that we gave. And it's not the speech, it's the system. And the thing I think I'm so excited about, Jonesy, for you tonight to share with us is your eight-play system that you use at Arkansas State. But well, first, let me ask you, when did you kind of see the need as the strength coach to go, look, uh, we may not have a budget to bring in a mental performance coach or may not have somebody on campus, but I'm going to take the reins of this and do this as the strength coach. When did you first see the need to want to invest in mental performance? Yeah, it really happened last in season. Uh, as, as you prepare for the football season, the performance coach, obviously we have a lot of responsibilities, but really in season, we do not train our guys as much. We don't, we, we, depending on what level you're on, we train redshirt freshmen four days a week. We train non-contributors three days a week. We train contributors twice a week. And I, I'm always evaluating, uh, assessing what we did the year before, where we're at now. And what I thought is we need to add more value to our guys than just getting them into the weight room, just training them, getting them their nutrition, getting them a good workout and send them on their way. We got to do something that's going to have, that, that's going to stick, that's going to impact not only the, the physical side, yes, but more importantly, the mental side. So I, I read Amber Selking's book, Winning the Mental Game. Obviously, your work has highly impacted me and, and my thought process and putting together a system. And I like the idea of calling plays, uh, these skills that we're trying to build, plays. So throughout the season, what we would do is we implemented our eight-play championship mindset or our mental game. Love that. Love that. And I think for the coaches here, the biggest thing I wanted them to take away was a system. 
Having a system, whether it's the 10 pillars, it's in our certification and 30 day program, that is a system. Whether it's these eight plays, that is a system. But being able to come off of this call, having the goal that you're going to create a mental performance, leadership, culture system that you can implement in your program. And Jonesy, if we want to get right to it here, I'm going to outline, if I have them still for my notes, I took, you can correct me if I got them wrong, but I want to give the eight plays and have you dive into each play. So I got play one is awareness. Play two is motivation. Play three is confidence. Play four is discipline. Play five is focus. Play six was emotional toughness. Play seven was visualization and play eight was habits and routines. Did I get that right? That's impressive. Yeah, that's really good. there. Fantastic. So coaches, here's what I want you all to do. I want you, because I want you to get as much out of this call as possible. So I'm going to go to the chat here. And inside of the chat, I'm going to post a link to to my notes, which I just read off of. And I want you to go ahead and click on that link. And then once you click on that link, that's going to bring you to my notes for this call. And then what I would encourage you to do is in Google Docs, click file, make a copy. And you can make a copy of this so that as Jonesy is talking, you're just kind of taking your notes underneath awareness, right? Of when he's talking about play one and when he gets into motivation, doing that too. And if you leave this open, you're going to see, I'm going to type my notes on here. So we're working together, right? One of the best tips of advice I ever got from Ken Revisa in grad school, is he said, when you're in class and you take your notes, when class is over, go with like the people that are into it. Cause we had 12, 20 grad students in the class. They weren't all into it. I was obsessed. Right. And I would go with the other people who are obsessed and we'd sit down the next day. We would literally go through all of our notes to make sure that we got everything. And that's what I want to try to do here because like together, everyone achieves more. We're all going to hear Jonesy differently and take different things away. But I want to make sure that we start with a good template. So Jonesy, let's get right to it, man. Eight weeks, eight plays. Talk about awareness, the importance of it and how you train that. So how we did that before awareness, though, what I did is we made these little sheets for our players and I would hand those out at the end of the lift. And our introduction to the eight plays was first off mindset mechanics. And I wanted to go over with our players how our mind works. And and I've studied this. You studied this, Kaner. You know about it. And what I wanted to get across to them is, number one, we have thousands of thoughts a day. We, we have, you know, some say 50 to 70,000, whatever, whatever it is, we have thousands of thoughts a day. And then what the research says is roughly 80% of those thoughts are called automatic negative thoughts. They're just negative thoughts in our head that they just pop up. Well, what's crazy too is the research also says the same thoughts you had today, roughly 70, 80% are the same thoughts you had yesterday. So we're honestly on this autopilot system of the same thinking day in and day out. And what I wanted to get across to our players was, I don't want us to listen to ourselves. I want us to talk to ourselves. That's very important because what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a mindset. And part of building mindset is getting rid of the same thoughts you had yesterday, getting the right self-talk, whether it's affirmations, words of encouragement, talking to yourself about what you need to do in this moment to be successful, whatever it is. But I want them to understand the power of self-talk and they need to understand how the mind works. So we went over that. We talked about the mindset mechanics. That was week one. Then as we get into awareness, this is play one. It all starts with awareness. And we had a tagline for every play. So play number one was awareness. What you are aware of, you can improve. What you are unaware of, you can improve. So 
how I like to talk to this is with our players. So if we got guys that are physically strong and tough, but they're not aware that when things get hard, they have really bad body language. If they're not aware of that and they always think the coach is picking on them, how are they ever going to fix that? They're not aware of it. So when you are aware of those things and you're honest with yourself, be real with yourself. Okay. Understand. Yeah. When I do hard things, when I'm doing conditioning or I'm coached to strain here and I got really bad body language and I'm aware of it, you have a chance to fix it. You're at least giving yourself a chance when you are not real with your awareness, when you want to BS yourself or you don't want to really look yourself in the mirror and it's always the coach coming at you or the coach this, and you really don't look at yourself and realize, okay, here are the things I don't do well. Be honest with yourself. Now you got a chance for improvement. Now you got a chance to go fix that. And the most important thing is because that's going to give you the chance to be your best self. With awareness though, it's not just all the things you do bad because, you know, sometimes that's a hard thing for athletes to do, but also it's hard for them sometimes to talk to you about the things that they do well. And I go over this with our players. So I give them the card, play number one awareness. There are some other bullet points on there that I talk about. But that talk, it's, it's a good talk. But what's really important, though, is when you have the one-on-one conversations. Mm. And you get real with a guy. Say, hey, what are the things you're really good at? I always like starting with the positive. What are the things you're really good at? Sometimes they can tell me the things they're good at. Sometimes it's just very football-specific related. I want to get to more about the things they're good at with them being a person, them being a man first. And then we talk about how that bleeds in to them being a better football player. So, so, so part of my job, too, is getting them to understand, well, hey, here's the things you do really well. You're really respectful. You, you're relentless. Yeah, your details can get better, but you're, you're relentless. You attack your training every single day. You know what? You're really coachable. Like when I coach you up, you look me in the eye and, and you know, I, I can tell you your hunger to get better. So it's important. Those one-on-one conversations. What are the things you do really well? Okay. What are the things you don't do well? What are the things you're holding them back? And sometimes you got to have tough conversations with guys because it's hard for them to see the things that you see that are really holding them back. Like some guys, you're just, uh, you're negative all the time. You're not bought in. You question everything we do and you don't do it out loud, but I can tell by your body language. I can tell by your effort, you're not bought in and that's holding you back. That's only hurting you and your teammates. So that that's, that's the first part of awareness there, Kane. Do you got anything on that? Yeah, man. If we can, maybe after each play, we'll go back and forth here. Cause I just want to add some, some things to it. You mentioned before you got into play one, you mentioned automatic negative thoughts. And I heard um, somebody say this once. They said automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T-S, ants, automatic negative thought. They go, if you were walking in your house and you saw an ant walk across the floor, what would you do? I'd step on it and kill it. That's what we got to do to our automatic negative thoughts. How do I do that? That's my release, right? That's Cortland Sutton football, clap, clear. I miss a pass, clap my hands, wipe it away, take a deep breath. That's the release technique that would be how I squash the ant. And to your point about the awareness piece, two things that coaches can take on that. What you're really outlining there, Jonesy, is well, better how. In the individual conversation, what are you doing well as a player or coach? What can you do better? How are you going to do it? And the thing I love about well, better how is it's neutral. And you can use it whether we're going really good. You can use it if we're going really bad. 
uh, anything in between. Well, better how. So the other piece that you mentioned there was awareness is the first step to growth. What you're aware of, you can control and you can improve what you're unaware of, you can't. So this past weekend, I'm with Texas A&M baseball at the University of Tennessee. And I'm videotaping hitting routines, right, from the dugout. I'm, I'm videotaping the way the guy walks the home plate. I'm videotaping how he cleans out the box. I'm videotaping his pre-pitch routine and him getting in the box. And then what I'm doing is I'm using my cell phone and I have a microphone clipped into my cell phone. It's the first time I've ever done this. It was amazing. And I'm talking on the camera going, all right, Jonesy, you're getting in the box here. When you're cleaning out the box, are you feeling the dirt under your feet? Are you hearing the dirt under your feet? Okay, you're taking your breath on your focal point. It looked like it's right there. You didn't finish your breath before you got in the box. All right, it's a second inning. Oh, oh, count. Boom. All right, that was strike one. You step out of the box. You're undoing your gloves. Is that your release routine? And I'm talking through what I see. As soon as the at-bat's done, text him the video, text it to the hitting coach, and I'm right into the next guy. And at the, the feedback, because what I used to do is I'd videotape those routines and then I'd upload them to my computer and then I'd sit down with the guy the next day and you just get time crunched. And what I was able to do was send the videos to the guys during the game. So they get on the bus, they open up their phone and they got th two to three different videos from me. I'm talking through it. And then in the hotel, guys are grabbing me going, yeah, I kind of felt that. And like, we're speeding up the conversation to get more done by using technology. And if you, if you can get them to see it, right? If you can get a guy to see how he rushes his routine, he's going to own that answer because he sees it himself and he's hearing what you're saying. So I think for coaches, that can be a great tool uh, that you can use the, the voice into the video to send to players. I thought that was tremendous because to your point, Jonesy, it increases awareness and awareness is the first step to growth. And if you can put somebody on video, it's going to increase awareness. And here's one I'll share for coaches. And I would encourage you to do this with your head guy, Jonesy, or even with yourself in the weight room. You put on a microphone and you have somebody videotape you for like 20 minutes. And what you're going to see when you evaluate yourself coaching, I did this with a basketball coach. I had a camera on him. I had a basketball coach in high school. I was that great guy, terrible body language, doesn't handle adversity well. And I'm videotaping him with a mic to my camera. And then I take the game tape and I put him picture in picture. And I said, go watch yourself coach for five minutes of this 40 minute basketball game. And the next day he came in and go, I couldn't even make it five minutes. I'm disgusted. I said, okay, good. What are, you, what are we going to do about it? He's like, my body language was terrible. I'm the guy going, relax, damn it, relax. My players are getting nervous when I'm yelling at them to relax because I'm yelling at them like, you know, the opposite of saying to them, breathe. He goes, and I'm the one who's always yelling at my guys for getting on officials. And I'm all over the officials. They're just following what I'm doing. He goes, I need your help. So if you can do that with a coach, because you have that type of relationship or for the coaches that are on this call, if you're on this call here, you're open-minded to wanting to be the best version of you, have someone do that with you. And just look at the feedback. Jonesy, awareness, the first step to growth. Talk to us about play two motivation, brother. Play two motivation. All right. So the tagline there is it's your job to motivate you. So same thing. I'm giving them the card. I'm going over it. The most important thing we got to understand, and this is what I think about too, is everybody talks about motivation, blah, blah, blah. You need discipline. Discipline over motivation. You don't need motivation. You just need discipline. All right. You need both. And I believe that motivation is it's your job to motivate you as a coach. I'm going to be around you for maybe two to three to four hours a day, maybe more. Right. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to motivate. you. I'm going to bring the juice. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to try to get your mind right. I'm going to get you to attack your training with total effort. I'm going to do all these things. No doubt. But at the end of the day, you're the only person that you're going to be with the rest of your life. And if you're relying on other people to motivate you or give you inspiration or to help get your mind right, you're going to fail because you are the only one with you 
the rest of your life. It's pretty simple. So it's your job to motivate you. And motivation, how the most important thing we do with our guys is we do the MVP process, Caner. And these are the individual meetings. You know, the the big talks to the team, the short three to five minute talks, those are important. But more important are the individual meetings I have and especially this MVP process. And I talk to our guys all the time about, obviously you wouldn't brush your teeth and I got this from you. You don't brush your teeth once a week. No, you do it twice a day. Why would you try to motivate yourself once a week? And we do the MVP process. We go over our goals. We go over what our mission is, what their why is. And we go over what are their core values? Who do they want to become? How do they want to be remembered? What do they want people to say about them when they're not around? How do they want to be experienced? And then, you know, we came up with one word focus and I tell them, put that somewhere you can see it every single day. And I think the best spot is when you're brushing your teeth in front of your mirror, because hopefully you brush your teeth twice a day for two minutes. What better way to start filling your mind and creating a different mindset by looking at all the things that you said are the most important to you, your why, who you are as a person. What are some of your performance goals? What are some of your process goals? And, and we got some guys that do that every single day. Now, I'm hoping that we can get everybody to do that. I don't know if that's possible, but we got guys that are looking at that stuff, that are putting that stuff in their head every single day. And that's a big part of motivation because the discipline, no doubt, super important. That's one of the plays. But also motivation, inspiration, the best of the best, the Dan Gables, the Kobe Bryants the Tom Brady, whatever sport it is, they're inspired. They're motivated by something. And we all need to be motivated by something. We all need to put it in front of our face. And I think too, Kaner, is we need to write it down. Hmm. We need to write it down, put it pen to paper, and we need to look at it daily. Fire me up, man. I'm putting some resources in the chat. So you mentioned the MVP process, Jonesy. I want to kind of dive into that a little bit and see how you do that with your athletes. And for the coaches on this call, um, MVP process is the number one exercise I do with my clients to start a quarter. Well, guess what? We're a couple of days away from quarter two, April, May, June of 2023. And if you can create an MVP process, and what that is, is your mission, vision, and principles. It's like a deep goal, goal setting exercise. I keep mine right here by my desk. So this is my MVP process for quarter one, right? And I break it up into energy, work, and love goals, relationship goals. And if you go to the link in the chat, I did a, I did a video that explains it, briancane.com slash MVP. And if you go back to January 4th, we did like a two to three week mini seminar on building your MVP. So I put a link to that podcast in there. If you've never done that, I would recommend you go through the video at briancane.com slash MVP. And then you listen to those two to three minute podcasts for like that two week mini seminar. And you'll be able to start crafting your own MVP process. We give you a template to use. It's all there. I'm literally giving you my best coaching strategy. Jonesy, talk about how you do the MVP with everybody. Cause you got a hundred plus football players. Are you sitting down and doing that with everybody? Do you, do you present it to them and ask them to do it and they bring it to you? What's that look like? How do you roll that out? So how we do that is we have six performance coaches, including myself, and we go through the roster and I highlight the guys that I'm going to meet with. Our other five assistants highlight the guys they're going to meet with. And this is an eight-week process where we do this because, like you said, we got 120 guys. And these meetings 
these aren't short meetings. These are 30, 45, sometimes 50 plus minute meetings, but it's probably some of the most impactful mm. 30, 45, 50 minutes I can spend with an athlete. And I, I, go away from those meetings feeling energized. I feel more connected to them. They feel more connected to me, but most importantly is they feel locked in and dialed in to what's most important to them. And, and I think I've seen a real difference and it's also allowed me to the guys that I have these meetings with, I can coach them a lot more effectively. I can coach them a little bit harder and I'm not worried about them being sensitive. And, and that's built a relationship too, because when you can take coaching and you take hard coaching, you're going to get better. You're going to get closer to your best. So how we do it is we split up and then we have these cardstock papers. It's just an eight by 11 paper. It has their picture on there and it has their name. And the first one is mission. And we talk about what is their why? Why do you play football? And everybody has different whys. And, and that's probably the most challenging thing to me. I even reached out to you about that is getting them to put their why in, in a sentence. Because I want them to be able to, to have their mission as a part of their self-talk. On days they don't feel like it, on days they don't feel like you're tired, on, on days you just, you don't have it, whatever. I want their mission to be their go-to self-talk where they're saying it over and over. So I try to dial it into one sentence. And, and that, that, that's been a challenge for some, but we get the mission into a sentence. And a lot of it has to do with their guys as family, uh, one of them was not prove people wrong, but it's proved the people right. And, uh, a lot of them has to do with, all right, can you got me here? I got a call coming in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got you. Uh, so they over the mission, we, we dial down to a sentence, then we move on. Now we tweaked it because yours is vision. Tanner, what we did is we just called it values. Hmm. So then what I did there is I say, give me three to four core values. Who are you as a person? How do you want to be experienced? What do you want myself to say about you? What do you want your teammates to say about you? What do you want coach Butch Jones to say about you when you're not around? How do you want to be experienced? And I have this sheet of character skills. You got performance skills and you got relational skills. And I talk about the performance skills are the skills that govern your relationship with you and you as a competitor. And then your relational, relational skills are the, the skills that govern your relationship with others. And it's about you being the best teammate. And I want them to pick one to two from each one. So they look at these skills because we, we, we call it skills because they're not traits because we believe we can develop these skills, right? Mm. Whether it's having more appreciation, whether it's being more respectful, being more positive, being more focused. These are all skills that you can improve on. So we call them skills. And then they write down the three to four core values. Really important. And I try to memorize the guys that I meet with, like just for an example, one of our linemen, his core values are mad P motivated, accountable, disciplined, positive. So when I try to coach him, I like to talk about motivated, accountable, disciplined, positive with him, mad P. So those are some things I remember that help me coach those guys better because I, I'm, I, I know what, who they want to be as a person. Mm. I understand deeper than them as a player. And 
I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but the one thing that I've really transitioned over the last couple of years is when you value the person over the production, when you value the person, the more they're going to produce. Mm. And when you invest in them as people first, the more production you're going to have out of them. And the reason I say that is because it's all about, we're trying to build these skills that is all about personal growth and development. And when you build these skills, you're building better habits, you're building better routines, you're building better process. Well, when that happens, you're going to become a better player. So personal growth first, obviously that drives player development. And I've seen it time and time again, when guys work on them as people first, they get so much better as players. But also as a coach, there's a lot more meaning. There's a lot more significance and purpose than what I do than just getting people to lift more weights and get a little bit stronger, more explosive. Yeah. You become transformational. And, you know, as you say, personal development always comes before professional development is how I would say it in a corporate world, right? Is, yeah. is you got to become a better, a better you becomes a better organization, you know, and, and you don't have to look any further than maybe the most successful, not maybe, but the most successful sports organization ever, the all blacks, the New Zealand rugby program. Right. And they say better people make better all blacks. And that's kind of what you're doing in your own way there, Jonesy, is you're, you're working on the personal development that when the person becomes better, the player becomes better. And I love that you guys are doing it with the MVP process. And I feel like we should schedule eight calls with you and have you do an hour on each of these eight plays, you know, but let's kind of go through them here. And uh, yep. I'm going to take a minute just to take a minute just to recognize uh, Mike Bahoon as the CEO of Fundraising University and let people know that Fundraising University offers a variety of fundraising efforts to help teams and students run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. So if you're interested in running a fundraiser, especially in the areas of Chicago, Central Arkansas, South Florida. Again, please contact Zach Sorensen. I'll put his email inside of the chat. Jonesy, coming back here, let's talk about play three confidence and maybe we'll go, um, I know I want to save some time for questions. So maybe if we go three minutes or so per play, we'll get some, some questions from our coaches. So talk about confidence. Yeah, confidence. So this is the biggest thing I've taken from you lately is confidence is not a feeling. You're not always going to feel confident. It is what it is. You do confidence. You have to act confidently. And how do you act confidently? Well, it starts with your preparation. When you've trained at a high level, you've competed, you've put in the work, you've calloused the hands. Yeah, you're, you're going to build that confidence. But also, too, your confidence comes from your body language. That's why we're really big on body language, carrying yourself big, 10 feet tall and bulletproof, like you say. Always coaching body language. Self-talk. Huge, plays a huge role in confidence because it goes back to the mindset and how our, our brains are wired and, and our thought patterns are. Your self-talk and then your focus. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what you get to do? Are you focusing on what you need to do right now to get better? Or are you focusing on what you have to do? Are you focusing on the negative? So though that's a big part of confidence that has really kind of changed how I coach guys up and, and the, the, the confidence, it's not feeling. It's something you do, you do confidence and you have to act different than how you feel. And a lot of that is body language, focus and self-talk. Hmm. I mean, it's the exact conversation that Jim Schlossnagel, who we've had on here, the head baseball coach at Texas A&M. If you could have been in the team meeting room Saturday night, right? Uh, again, they're playing, playing Tennessee. If you would have been in that team meeting room, his whole message was on act different than how you feel. It was the whole thing. 
You know, they opened up playing LSU, who's number one in the country. They go one and two, have a chance to win one of the games, lose it late. They're playing Tennessee, who at the time was number two in the country. Uh, you know, last week now they were 13, but but they're, they're, they're probably the second best team in the country. And we drop all three games in tough, close, hard played games. His whole thing is don't let a record dictate your confidence. Let how you act impact your confidence. Confidence is what you do. And he literally, Jonesy, goes right into body language, focus, and self-talk, just like you're talking about. And this is a guy who's taken, you know, six trips to the College World Series. And last year took AM from number 13 in the conference preseason to number three in the country. So what you're doing works when you work it. Yeah, and, I, love and I love I love where you talked about you have to have motivation and discipline, and that takes us to play for discipline. Yeah, discipline. So we you know talk about discipline over default. The biggest thing I got to do as a performance coach and our staff has to do is we're fighting autopilot behavior, we're fighting casualness, we're fighting human nature every single day. So what we want to do is we want to get our guys locked in. And we need to train with discipline. We need to act with discipline. And we just need to carry ourselves with discipline. So that's something we're always coaching. We're intentional about everything we do. We got to be laser focused and we need to be consistent. So that's a big part of discipline. And and how we coach that, though, is through our training. When we go over our lift card with the players, we install our lift for that day. I'm going over every little detail about the tempos, about what you pair with this. You pair dumbbell bench with TRX road. The dumbbell bench is a five second eccentric. The TRX is a 10 second ISO start. And if they don't do the five second eccentric or they forget about the ISO start or they go out of order, that's lacking discipline. And there's accountability for that. So we, we've, I've, we've put four of these plays in our training every day. And I can explain that at the end, but that's a big part of, of what we're trying to build too is discipline through every little detail of every day. Love that. Two things on discipline here. One of my favorite books I've ever read. Uh, dis- I should say one of my favorite books that I'm reading discipline equals freedom. Jocko Willink. I put a link in the chat and it's like a daily reader, right? Two books I read every day, the daily stoic by Ryan holiday and discipline equals freedom. And it's literally, that's what I read. And if you're looking for like, <laughs> a wake up, a checkup from the neck up, man. Jocko just gives it to you straight and it's short. It's two minutes a day. And it just reminds you about how disciplined you have to be. Right. And I've gone through um, a lot of books. This is one of the best I've ever come across in terms of just substance to the face really quick. And, you know, the other thing you talked about with, with discipline and I've seen this with teams is the perfect jumping jack. I had Reno high school baseball, one of the top programs in the country last year in 2022, they were number one in the country at one point. Uh, they were out here for the Boris classic in Arizona, their head coach, Peter Savage, 32 years. He's been coaching at Reno high school. His brother, John's a head baseball coach at UCLA, won a couple of national championships. Um, we, we, we were talking about discipline and I took the guys out in the parking lot at the hotel and they had to line up perfect rows, perfect columns. They had to be in unison and do jumping jacks. Right. And it was like one, two, three, and they had to spell R and it was, they had to spell Reno and they had to finish it perfectly, get back in lines. And just a simple exercise like jumping jacks is a way that you can help like build leadership, build volume, build energy and build discipline. So I love that you're talking about there that we're fighting autopilot and we got to be disciplined over default, right? Well, our brains are hardwired to do the easy thing. That's why we have to do something. Thank you, Jocko, that sucks every day. Take a cold shower, 
you know, walk your dog outside, regardless of the conditions, whatever it is, find your thing that you do every day, making your bed to emphasize that point of discipline. But if you're going to do that, it also takes focus. So Jonesy, take us to play number five about focus because focus determines future. Yep. Focus determines your future. What you focus on grows. So if I focus, like I said this earlier, if I focus on all the things I get to do and I have gratitude in my mindset, I'm going to have a little bit different energy. I'm going to have a little bit more juice behind me. If I focus on all the things I have to do and there's a little more negativity or I'm feeling a little entitled, yeah, I'm not going to have a lot of juice. I'm not going to have a lot of energy and I'm going to have more of those automatic negative thoughts that are just going to be filling my mindset. So the focus is huge. We're all battling focus. I'm battling focus with our screens, our phones. Our athletes are battling focus. In training, we are intentional about coaching our guys to focus. Like I said earlier, when I go over the lift, I take at least two to four minutes every day to go over an entire lift from the tempos to exactly the rep count here to how the work, the quad set, you got to do one, two, three, four in that exact order. And if guys aren't focused, if guys aren't locked in, there's going to be accountability. We call those missed assignments. And when we find the missed assignments, because we got our coaches on the floor coaching everything, we call out those missed assignments. And we're always coaching focus. We're coaching discipline. But also when we call out those missed assignments and we go at them, it leads us into play number six, emotional toughness. Because guys don't like to get called out. They think they did it right. But when you call out somebody for making a mistake or not being focused and not being disciplined, how do they handle that? Emo- how are, how's their toughness? How do they respond when things don't go their way? So that is one. There's a couple of ways we build in emotional toughness through training, but that is one way right there that we do with the discipline, the focus, and then the emotional toughness piece. Mm, man. I'm glad I, I'm glad, I'm glad I've been drinking a 32 ounce coffee all day, Jonesy, because I'm keeping right up with the type in here and you're going fast and I'm, and I'm digging every second of it. Emotional toughness, E plus R equals O, right? It's not the event. It's your response that dictates the outcome. And one of the things you can do to prepare for that emotional toughness is to realize everything happens twice first in your mind, then in reality. So if you can visualize and you can prepare for that situation, you're going to be able to handle it that much better, right? So talk about how you use visualization with your program, Jonesy. Yeah. So visualization, we do a lot of stuff in training that is central nervous system based speed, strength, power, right? Central nervous system runs everything. And visualization, we talk to our guys a lot about too, like you got to believe that the best is yet to come. Like you got so much more in the tank. Your, your speed's not tapped out. Your strength's not tapped out. You can be so much more explosive. You can be so much more powerful because if your brain doesn't believe that and your mind doesn't believe it, do you think your central nervous system is going to recruit as many faster as muscle fibers? Do you think your nervous system is really going to take you to a place you can be if you don't have a belief in your mind that you can get better? And if you have beliefs that oh, I am what I am, I, it's hard for me to get faster. It is what it is. So we talk a lot about visualizing yourself, seeing yourself, like you said, it happens in your mind first and then it happens in reality. And this is something that, that we try to coach them up on training. But this is an area too, though, that we need to get better with through practice, through meetings, through mental reps, and then through games. This is an area that I really feel that we can take the next step, that we can dial in and improve on as well, though. 
Yeah. And there's so much you can do there, right? When you talk about visualization, mental reps, I mean, just to keep it in a football context, you know, to give you some value for being here too, man, is we used to go like Friday night in the hotel. And I remember doing this with SMU and I put the link inside of our chat. If everybody clicks on it to a YouTube playlist of mental imagery audios. So most sports specific audios are in there. There is a football one and Jonesy, what we would do is we'd get in a big conference room and we'd lay down the defense on this side, the offense on this side, I'd be standing in the middle. I'd have the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator with me. And I would take them through our ball mental imagery and meditation. That's in the 30 day in the certification, breathing affirmation, look back, look forward. And what I would do is I'd make an audio that would breathe, look uh, affirmation where they repeat things to themselves, self-talk, look back. And then I'd say, and now I want you to imagine we're going to the stadium we're playing at tomorrow. You get off the bus, you're walking into that stadium, you go in the locker room, you take over the locker room, you're putting your gear on, you're going out, we're doing our warmups. You go through warmups. We come back in the locker room. Coach Morris is talking to the team. We're going through and doing our pony up creed. And now we go out for kickoff. And then I'd say, and now the offensive defensive coordinator will talk you through plays. And I'd pump up crowd noise in the back that I'd recorded on my cell phone from the sideline of the stadium we were at. And the defensive coordinator would give a play. And then the offensive coordinator would give a play. And they're separate. So the OC's talking this way and the DC's talking this way. And depending on the hotel, sometimes they would just do it in separate rooms. And they'd take about five minutes and just walk through different things that they were doing. And then, I, then the audio would come back on and say, okay, and now I want you to bring awareness back to your toes, your fingers, wake yourself back up. And they would do that every Friday night. And then I'd have players who would get into it and they'd want their own custom one that they would then do Saturday. And I've got, you know, pictures and I would work with Yale football of a quarterback, uh, Morgan Roberts, who had went to Clemson, got beat out by Deshaun Watson, went to Yale. Good move. And as he's at, it's sitting there in the locker. You see him in the locker before the game against Harvard, which was college game day, both teams like seven and oh, you know, biggest game in school history, game day, Ivy League championship. And he's sitting in his locker doing his mental imagery before he goes out there to play. And then you got mental reps, right? And mental reps would be the number one quarterback is up there getting reps. And then the number two and three are about 10, 15 yards behind. And they're going through and they're basically mimicking what the number one is doing, seeing the play from the sideline, calling it out like they would if they were at the line of scrimmage, and then looking at their defensive keys and they're going through their steps and progressions so that now you don't have guys on the sideline, they're behind. And when you do it right, and you've got now, you know, your receivers, let's say you're doing routes on air, you've got all your receivers behind, or you're doing a, a 11 on 11, whatever it is, you got your ones out there, your twos and threes are behind out of the play where they're not going to get involved in a fumble recovery, whatever it is. Right. And they're literally watching, taking their breath, pre-snap routine, taking that first step, and then watching what's going on in front of them so that they're prepared when they get up there, they're basically taking the mental rep. And it's one of the best things that they can do, but if they're going to do it consistently, it's got to come back to play eight. I love how you stack these up, Jonesy habits and routines. Explain that one. Yeah. Habits and routines. Obviously you are what you repeat and uh, you know, what, You've impacted me a lot here is the habit share and getting guys. And I love the phone reminder as well. And if you're not writing down habits that you want to build, if you're not checking habits off that you want to build, and if you're not making that a part of your day to day, it's going to be hard. I really believe it's going to be hard for you to build those habits. And one thing I really did in those meetings, King, is we put together a 1% intention plan with our guys. And I love that. I got it from your book, 1% Better. And what I would do is we would go to the notes app and there you go. And, and I talked to them 
what's something that you could do for 14 minutes and 24 seconds every day that would make you 1% better? Because everybody talks about 1% better. Hey, get 1% better. Yeah, 1% better. Yeah, that's great to say that. But how do you really know if you're getting 1% better? And what I've done with a lot, not, not everybody, not all the players are ready for this. Not, not everybody is. Some of your more mature guys absolutely are. So how we know we can get 1% better is we're going to invest 14 minutes, 24 seconds into some aspect of personal growth or player development that's going to get us better. And I have guys put maybe eight to 10 different things on their notes app, whether it's catching jugs, whether it's watching extra film, whether it's being with a teammate, extra throwing, extra arm work, extra Norma tech, whatever it is they put this list and then they have a reminder that pops up in the morning and it says set 1% intention plan. Mm. And they want to look, okay, what can I do today for 14 minutes, 24 seconds? And then I tell them, go pick something. And then at night, you're going to have another reminder pop up at nine or 10 PM execute 1%. And if you executed it, you click it. And that is how you keep knowing that we're getting 1% better. We're not just hoping we get 1%. We're not hoping we're getting better. We're doing stuff that's unrequired in the unseen hours. And we're doing something that if you attack those four and you're intentional about those 1424, there's no doubt in my mind, you're going to get 1% better. Well, I know all the coaches who are here are getting 1% better today, Jonesy, because you're absolutely bringing some heat, man. And I appreciate you doing that. And I want to give our coaches a, a minute here to uh, think about questions that they've got. And while we're thinking about those questions, I just want to take some time and let people know that Fundraising University is always looking for individuals throughout the country that are competitive. We'll talk about values, competitive, empathetic, organized, self-starters, and, teach and teachable. And if you're a coach or an athlete or a business-minded individual uh, you and you love to work with coaches and athletes, you should check out Fundraising University either for your fundraiser or to be a potential franchise owner. So if that's something you're interested in, please go ahead and contact Zach Sorensen. Again, I'll put his contact information inside of the meeting chat here. And again, want to thank Fundraising University CEO Mike Bahoon for providing us all with this awesome opportunity. Jonesy, question. First question comes in from Coach Bear. He says, Jonesy, this is great stuff. My biggest concern is time, as it is for you, right? I mean, we're all in that challenge of, of time and the restrictions we have NCAA or high school. And high school is going to be applied differently based off of the amount of time that they have, depending on where you are in the country. Texas has a lot more time with their coaches than we ever did in Vermont, you know, and that's why if I had kids and they were athletic, we would move to Texas because they're going to get so much more opportunity because they literally have athletic period in the school day where every coach gets their kids out of season for two hours a day in the classroom and they get them for about four or so outside. It's, it's tremendous in terms of educational athletics and what they can do. Coaches contracts tied to a teaching contract. So if you're not winning games as a coach and they, they're going to get you out of there, you lose your teaching job too. My personal opinion, it's exactly how it should be. Uh, because it is the most important role I think that there is in the life of young people is, is their coach. So Jonesy question from coach bear. My biggest concern is time. Any suggestions on implementing this, uh, into a high school setting and you're muted there, coach. Oh, let me ask you to unmute there. Yeah, there we're we go. good. Yeah, we're good. How would you build this into a high school setting or what do you do in terms of being strapped on time? Yeah, the biggest thing, I call it daily and weekly micro coaching sessions. I don't think the talks need to be long at all. I think the talks can be anywhere from two to five minutes. I think it's important to give them a hard copy or a small sheet of something so that they, they can refer back onto. But I think the most important thing is set the stage, whatever the play is, whatever the skill is, whatever the pillar is, 
let them know about it, talk to them in a group setting about it. But then where the magic happens is those individual conversations. And what I love doing is, hey, what's play number one? Hey, what's, what's play number three? Uh, play number three is confidence. Okay, what does confidence mean? You know, and the hope is that they can spit it back out to you. And what I've known is, and, and it really tests you as a teacher, sometimes you, you go over, it's crazy, you go over play number two, motivation is your job to motivate you. You get a guy as soon as you're done. Hey, what's play number two? What I just talked about. Uh, you know, it's like, okay. So I got, you know, there, there's a focus issue there. And, and I'm always evaluating myself with the teaching part too. But I think the talks can be short two to five minutes. I think something, a hard copy of something is good, but then asking them later that day, later that week, being intentional about even writing down guys' names on papers or girls' names on paper, going up to them and just asking them what the play was and then try to have a conversation of how they could implement that or make that more part of their everyday. Mm. Yeah, and Jonesy, I think to, do- to, to, to dovetail off that, is when we're always restrapped for time, think about do a little a lot. It's consistency over duration. So in football, and I know Coach Bear is a football coach, think about how often you watch film with your team. Take three to five minutes at the start of that film session. No more. Three to five minutes and always touch a play on that day. So let's say you have an eight-day cycle, right? You're playing Monday. You're, you're going to practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're going to play Friday. Saturday, probably break down the film, whatever it is, moving forward on the, on the weekend. So if you got eight plays, Monday, play one, Tuesday, play two, Wednesday, play three, Thursday, play four, kick off Friday night, weekend, Monday, play five, Tuesday, play six, boom, boom, boom. So you're rolling out the plays preseason, you're rolling out the plays in the off season, and then you're touching them daily as you go through it. The other thing I think that can be good, Jonesy, and I want to share this real quick and take everybody through it, is a technique called the skeleton files, right? If people are going to take ownership, this is going to be new. If people are going to take ownership, three steps to ownership comes out of Heads Up Baseball 2 by Ken Revisa and Tom Hansen. Step one, I know it. Step two, I do it. Step three, I own it. And we want the players at Arkansas State to own these eight plays, but they're never going to own them unless they know them, right? And once they know them, now they got to actually do them and they got to see people do them and be be held accountable to do them in order to take ownership. So if you understand, I know it, I do it, I own it. We got to be intentional with how do we get them to know it. And the best way to get them to know it is to teach them how to memorize it. And when you think about memorizing anything, there's a three-step process, okay? This is exactly how I will prepare for this talk I'm doing in Springfield this weekend. I will memorize every slide, the whole program using this exact technique. It's called location, picture, meaning. And it's not that you have a good or bad memory. It's that you have a trained or untrained memory. 100% believe that. Location, picture, meaning. So let me walk you through the eight plays here, okay? Our location is the skeleton file. So if everybody wants to play along with me, you're just gonna touch this part of your body and go with me. So number one is my head. We're given locations. One is my head, two is my nose, three is my mouth, four is my ribs, five is my abs. Let's go through those again. One, head, two, nose, three, mouth, four, ribs, five, abs, okay? Now, six through 10 are below your waist. Six is hips, seven is knees, Eight is shins, nine is feet, 10 is the ground. So if you want to just write these down, head, nose, or just put H, right? Head, nose, mouth, ribs, abs, six through 10. Hips, knees, shins, feet, ground. So that's the locations. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're going to make a picture in our mind it reminds us of the eight plays. So on top of my head, I need to put a picture. 
It would remind me of awareness. So I see a gigantic traffic light, huge traffic light on top of my head. If that traffic light was smashing me in my head and there's brain matter and stuff going everywhere, it'd be disgusting, but it would be memorable. So let's make it memorable, right? So play one is awareness. Play two on my nose is motivation. I see Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Motivation, huge biceps. He's motivated. Awareness, motivation. In my mouth, confidence. So coming out of my mouth, confidence, I see a convict dressed in a black and white rub, uh, robber outfit and I'm vomiting this guy, right? Here comes this robber. Awareness, motivation, confidence. On my ribs, discipline, I see a bed that's made. I got the best tattoo in the world. It's a made bed right there on my ribs. Discipline, because that's what it takes. Five, on my abs, I see an eyeball. And the eyeball is focused. Let me see a magnifying glass. The magnifying glass helps me focus. Awareness, motivation, confidence, discipline, focus. When I go to my hips, okay, on my hips, I see a picture that reminds me of emotional toughness. So I see like, like, like a boxing glove, like a fist. I just think a fist of toughness, like an MMA glove coming at me like this, tattooed on my hips, toughness. And I'm going to see like an emotional, like a, like a smiley face with eyes coming out or the tear coming out. It's emotional toughness. So let's go through it. Awareness. Motivation, confidence, discipline, focus, emotional toughness. On my knee, visualization, on my knee, I look down and I see uh, like a guy who's sitting there like a Buddha, like legs crossed doing this. That's a picture for visualization or meditation, right? Your picture is going to be different than mine. I'm just showing you how you would work this. And then number eight is on my shins. I literally see tattooed on my shins. Like Cowboy Cerrone would have playtime. He just got inducted in the UFC Hall of Fame, by the way. He would have playtime tattooed on his shin. I see the word habits and routines. So here's the eight-play system for Arkansas State football. We're going to come out there with awareness. We're going to be motivated. We're going to have confidence. We're going to do it with discipline and focus. Emotional toughness. I know eight is routines and habits. Nine and seven is visualization. Right. So I just saw the picture on my knees. I'm like, what was it? I don't know. Oh, it's visualization. There's the Buddha. So that's a way that now you can say to guys like and, and trek them in the weight room, right? A guy's doing a sprint. What's number five? He's got to go one, two, three, four, five. It's focus, coach. What's number one? It's awareness. What's number eight? It's habits and routines. And he now knows those plays because he has them on his body. And what you could do with that is let's say when you're lifting this summer, Jonesy, you give everyone a gray shirt. They got to earn the wolf, man. And the way they're going to earn the wolf is stand in front of the team and go, I will commit to living our eight play system. I will play with awareness, motivation, confidence, discipline, focus, emotional toughness. I will prepare with visualization and I'll have elite routines and habits. Boom. He gets the wolf shirt. Got to earn that. Nothing's given. He's lifting in a black t-shirt he brings from home unless until he gets the MC wolf until he gets the dark and soul wolf t-shirt. Right? So anyway, get me fired up there. Let's come back to some questions. Tom Medes comes in. He says, Jonesy, when do you start the eight plays program? Preseason, in season camp summer. When are you doing that in your program? Yeah, I think honestly, anytime works. We did it in season just because I felt the need of, Hey, we got to do something more than just lift, get them in, lift them for 45 minutes and send them on their way with, you know, good pre-workout, post-workout fuel. We got to do something more. And I felt that need. I just felt like that was something we needed to do. And then we did it in season there. We did it with a card. I made them a book at the end too. Our, our freshmen, we call them the G League. They had a book. 
of all the eight plays. And we actually did the all blacks too with their uh, 15 leadership principles. And it was a nice little book and we go over it and give them those sheets. But I think really anytime, I, I think anytime. And, and I think now is better than later because you're getting it in into their system. You're getting them thinking about it. And now you're coaching it. And I wouldn't wait. I do it right now because to me, it's important. And, and something that's important that can really impact them in a positive way. Why wait? Let, yeah. Get it right now. Yeah. Well said. I think, I think the best time to plant a tree would have been 10 years ago, be fully grown. The second best time is right now. Right. So wherever you're at in your season, a nice part about the eight plays, right. Whether I'm talking about, let me hit it again, whether I'm talking about awareness, motivation, confidence, discipline, focus, emotional toughness, visualization, or routines and habits. That's conversations that should be happening throughout the entire year. Now I might have a more formal teach and rollout in the summer over eight weeks where we bring in, you know, I might do a deeper 30 minute dive in a classroom if we have more time. Um, but you just got to kind of look at what's the initial rollout for you, but it should be ongoing. It's not like I teach it and stop. We're con like, we're constantly coaching how to tackle. We're constantly coaching, you know, your starts and your alignments and all that. We're doing the same thing with the mental game. Uh, next coach question comes in from coach Copeland. What tips do you have in implementing mental skills training with athletes when the head coach isn't completely bought into the program? Interesting. Yeah, I got my answer for that, but Jones, let's bring it to you. What tips do you have on implementing a mental skills training program with athletes when the head coach isn't completely bought into the program? Yeah, I would say, uh, do, do you have time alone with them? Like, are you, do you have sessions where you're just with them? Because I would say just do a little lot with them there. Do a two to five minute session with them there and then start talking to guys more about it, ask them questions about it. But I'd also really try, I'd, I'd give <laughs> whoever your head coach is, I'd give them Kaner stuff. I'd give them some of his videos. I'd give them mental performance daily. I'd give them some of these examples, some of these greats that he's worked with, you know, the Corbin burn story that that's amazing. You know what he's done and all the other athletes that have worked with you. I I'd do that. Yeah. You know, my answer to that is it's very difficult. It is almost impossible if the head coach doesn't have buy-in yeah, I just, and I'll just put that out there because not every program I work with has head coach buy-in and I've been to schools in the ACC where I show up and the head coach isn't even there. And he's like, Hey, Canner, you're here. You got him. And he leaves for three days. And the players are like all into what we're doing because they know this is going to make a difference. And then when the coach comes back, he can't talk about anything that we were doing because he wasn't there. He doesn't know. So he's talking about outcomes and he's going, why are you guys slowing down and breathing so much? He's got no idea. So, you know, that was a younger version of me. If that had happened again, like I would have said, Hey coach, if you're leaving, I'm going with you. Cause as much as I'm here for the players, I'm here for you. And I now am very clear with the head coaches I work with that like the most important thing that can happen to, to, to impact this is either you run it and I coach you or you're there listening and you fully endorse what we're doing and someone on your staff, maybe that's me if I'm on the staff, but I'm, I'm the, you know, somebody who comes in, someone on your staff has to be appointed to that person so that you can, you can do the mental performance work with head coach support and buy-in. Cause a lot of times I think the head coach would do it would support it. They just don't know what, what to support and they don't have the time where they want to do it themselves. So a good coach is going to go, Hey, I know this mental performance is important. And just like anything else, if it's not my strength, I'm going to find someone whose strength it is and I'm going to support them and they'll implement it while I get better and support it. So great question. Uh, I think you got to coach the coaches. You got to, if you're a mental performance coach on this, or you're an assistant coach, you've got to coach up. 
you have to coach the coaches, right? Last question comes in here. Uh, Jonesy comes in from, from Kim. She says, how, how do you combine core values? Um, okay, perfect. So you mentioned that you, you have the kids come up with their own core principles. How do you balance the kids own core principles while with, with those of the program, right? So for example, just with Texas A&M baseball this weekend, their core principles are relis, respect, excellence, integrity, um, respect, excellence, leadership, loyalty, integrity, and selfless service. But then the individual players have their own core principles. One guy's with 3G, grit, gratitude, and grounded, like being present. So how do you blend the two of those, Jonesy, in your work, I think is the question from Coach Kim. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And really how, how I blend those is, we're coaching and we're living our core values as an organization every single day. You know, we're always coaching relentless effort. We're coaching toughness. We're coaching love and ownership. And we're talking about those things. But then also too, I think when I'm talking to guys or I'm trying to motivate guys, I'm, we're doing something hard. I'm trying to get them going. I'm trying to get their mind right. You know, that's when I talk to them about their values mm-hmm. and even just casual conversations before training after training in the hallway, just talking about, Hey, what were your core values again? And you, you, the hope is that they can tell you, right? They're your core values. You should know your core values. And then you just talk about them. Like, how's that going? How's, how, how motivated have you been? Or how, how positive one of the guys, you know, Matt, how positive have you been lately? And I think uh, it, it's, it's definitely a blend, but I think the, the conversations outside of the training or between the whistles there, I think coaching them up, through the whistles and then always living, breathing your organization team's core values as a coach. And it, and it starts all of this too. It starts with modeling. Mm. If I'm modeling these eight plays first, it don't mean nothing. So it, I, I need to believe in these, the performance staff Kaner needs to believe in these and they do, and they love this stuff. They eat this stuff up. We are, mm. we are, Staff. We love stuff. We, we love learning. We love your 30 day system. We, I mean, so we got to model it. We got to believe in it. And then that is going to help us get the best out of our guys coming back with it. Mic drop. There it is. Awesome. Jonesy, man. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I can't believe that was an hour. I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for a day, which we need to make no happen doubt. at some point here, man. So, and I appreciate you coming on brand in the all black too. Let's go. But the, yeah. uh, yeah, but no, Coach Jones, man, really appreciate you coming on, being a part of this group coaching program brought to you by Fundraising University. If there's any coaches on here that wanted to engage more with what you're putting out, are you on Instagram? Are you on Twitter? Is there any way they can follow your thoughts that you're putting out there? Yeah, I probably need to tweet a little bit more. I am on Twitter, uh, Jonesy Jeff one. I think that's my handle, Jones. Why? Like you call me Jonesy. Yeah. A lot of people call me Jonesy. And then just Jeff, my name, and then one. I'm going to take a look right now and see if that's it because there's so much value there. Uh, we're going to want to make sure we got that. You said it's at Jonesy Jeff one on Twitter. Is that right? Is that correct? I'm going to, I'm going to take a look right now and see. I'm going into the Twitter verse uh, at J O N S E Y J E F F one. J O N E S Y. It would help if I could spell J O N E S Y. J-E-F-F, there it is right there. Jeff Jones right there. Boom. Got it. Go. Here we go. So it's uh, at J-O-N-E-S-Y-J-E-F-F-1. Dominating the day. Beautiful. Jonesy, man. 
Thank you again for coming on. Mike Bahoon, thank you for providing this awesome opportunity with Fundraising University. And again, if anyone is, is interested in learning more about Fundraising University, either to run a fundraiser or to be a potential franchise owner, contact Zach Sorensen. His email is in the chat there, zsorensen at fundraisingu.net. And if you want to follow this call again, it will be in the dashboard in the next 24 hours. And when you go to that dashboard, when you log into your account, you can see when our next uh, guest is and when our next call is. And we've got our 25 minute call tomorrow at three o'clock Arizona time. That's six o'clock Eastern time. Where we're going to be breaking down uh, Jeff Jones here in his eight plays. So Jonesy, thanks again for being here, man. Dominate the day and best of luck to you this year, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tanner. Thank you for having me on.